Well, hey, Mike. Hey, Colin. Welcome to the episode. Yeah. Um, What's new? Not a whole lot. It's the uh, end of December, middle of December. I don't know. End of December as far as work is concerned for most of the world. It's definitely the end of the middle of December. Yeah. But really, the second half of December doesn't really exist from a, uh industry perspective. The first half barely exists. Although I have yeah. been getting a lot of spam about NAB lately, have you? Um, I'm getting a fair amount. I've been my my problem is we've got so many um, relationships with VARs over the years that we've ended up in all sorts of VAR mailing lists, and so I'm getting they're the kind of people who still do like the Christmas letter. Oh. Uh, so I'm getting a lot of like Christmas letters from. Has anyone sent you candy? No, I don't get that any. No, like, yeah, I don't buy anything, so no one sends me that stuff. Yeah, back in the day when I was at the university, occasionally there were there were a few vendors who would send you candy. That was pretty nice. My friend got a bottle of scotch. Wow. Somebody. You know, Ross never sent me anything. I, and that's not true. They sent some t-shirts. <laughs> but they should have sent, you know, you buy a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of switchers. They should have sent candy. Yeah, at least... Or Maybe there was candy in the switcher. Did you check? <laughs> uh, there, uh, mm, yeah. Those were a good investment. So uh, what's in the news this week? It's As we say, it's been pretty quiet, um, but I thought we could maybe talk about... We've got a few topics here that might be jumping off points to sort of look ahead to the year that is coming. Um. Any of these things on our list of all at all interesting to you? Um, I mean, let's knock out the Matrix announcement first, okay. since it's the only real video thing. Yeah, uh, the Matrix DS One Thunderbolt dock is finally shipping, um, and it sounds like the Belkin product, which is very similar, is close to shipping, if not shipping already. Um, these are basically, if you think about the, you know, what you get when you dock a Thunderbolt cinema display with a, with a Mac, you know, you get, um, USB and whatnot. Uh, these are very similar. So, um, you, you dock this over Firewire or over Thunderbolt, you get, um, gigabit ethernet, you get USB three, you get HDMI and a Thunderbolt pass through. Um, right. So, so there's, they have two models. One's HDMI and one's DVI. Right. Um, and so it's really, you know, if you're a MacBook Air user who wants to have a dockable station, um, makes a ton of sense if you don't want to buy the Apple monitor. Um, it means that everything's sort of ready for you when you plug your laptop in. It gets your network connectivity and your keyboard and mouse and your storage if you have, you know, USB 3 storage and hooks up right. your, your, you know, Dell monitor or whatever. Um, right. Although it's only USB 2. Uh, the, the Matrix one has one USB 3 port, I think, on oh, the it front. Does. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I so I guess it's not really that interesting. It's not. I mean, it's a it's a very niche product, I guess. And the price at three hundred dollars means that it's um, it's basically the difference between a Dell monitor and an Apple monitor. Exactly. So if you already have the monitor, it makes a ton of sense. If not, you know the the Apple Cinema Display is such a beautiful monitor that. I think yeah. you can you could easily make the case that it's worth just spending the extra money to not you get the speakers and the the camera camera built in, which are so convenient to just have. Yeah. So, but again, if you've already got a monitor, um, 
It makes sense. You know? Although one thing that that I'm 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 actually seriously considering buying one of these, um, and it's all it's just for the audio in and out. Why? Because I, there's no okay. So I have a set of oh yeah really nice M audio speakers sitting on my desk. And anytime I want to use them, so they're powered speakers. Mm-hmm. And in a perfect world, they would not be hooked up to a mixer. I have a mixer, but it's like hidden somewhere. And so basically, I have these two powered speakers just waiting to like plug into my laptop to listen to music nicely. But it's, you know, until they come up with like a pass, like a, a mute button for the headphone jack or something it's just like it's so annoying to plug it in one the cable always like falls behind the desk and so i go digging for the cable and then you know i touch the cable while i'm moving around and so you get the whole like yeah and then you plug it in and you get it again and so like you know since i've switched over to the air i just don't i just listen so the two speakers are sitting on my desk turned up and i listen to all my music through the cinema display yeah no i totally get that because i have a very similar setup with a set of uh, i think these are audio engine powered bookshelf speakers and if i don't actually reach behind them and turn them off before i unplug it one it terrifies the dog because there's like a massive squelch when you unplug it but then they also have a buzz if they're not grounded through the laptop yeah um and so I have to just, you know, have them off all the time. And, yeah, so when I dock my laptop, it's power plus Thunderbolt plus audio. That is a little silly. I do wish the Apple display had the uh, had audio on the back. Well, because it has, it has a mic and it has a speaker in it. Like, right. why don't they just wire it up like they do the mic and the speaker in the laptop where if you don't have anything plugged in, use the internal. And if you do have something plugged in use that like yeah. they don't even need to add any more options in the thing they don't need two channels running down thunderbolt just throw right. a bypass in although in that case i think the more cost effective solution is probably one of those like 30 dollar usb audio like the i don't know if oh believe me i am looking or... i have one on my christmas list it's 250 <laughs> bucks it's the only oh. one i can find that's not really bad oh hmm okay I, I've because also I want to get rid of the mixer. Sure. So I would like balanced, if possible. Sure. I don't know. It's yeah, it's a pain. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it'd be nice. I mean, you know, it'd be nice in the future as well if Thunderbolt could power my laptop. Um, you know, so if it was just a single cable thing, but mm-hmm. I don't think that's in the spec. No. So, oh well. Anyways, it's shipping now. You know, it's always, as fans of Thunderbolt, I guess, nice to see more Thunderbolt things shipping. Um, But as with all of the Thunderbolt products, will be a niche thing just because most laptop users don't need Thunderbolt stuff. Right. And so this is interesting because this is the first Thunderbolt product from Matrox, right? No, they shipped their thingy for the MXO2. Right, but that's not a product. That's That's an excuse. Okay. Or, uh, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, it's not something someone buy, you know, they didn't like engineer something. They like went and bought the chip that converts PCI to Thunderbolt and stuck it in a case. Fair enough. Like this is like something you would be like, oh, I want that. Not like, oh, I need this because you guys can't get around to putting the new port on your stuff. Yeah. So, so that's good. I mean, it, at least they're working on you know, they're somewhat embracing the technology. They seem to see that it's going to be the way forward. 
Yeah, absolutely. At least a subset of their users. Yeah. I don't know. I hope this pretends, you know, the eventual release of a Thunderbolt only version of their other products. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, I mean, their selling point has always been like, oh, you can use it in a laptop and a tower. So I guess they might be waiting until we get towers with Thunderbolt. Is that a segue? Is it? Well, it can be. I mean, one I of see our, where you're going. Yeah. One of our sure. other topics is that Apple, um, as part of a PR blitz from Tim Cook last week, where he appeared on uh, Rock Center with Brian Williams and did an interview with uh, Bloomberg or someone, um, talked about bringing some Apple, uh, some Mac production back to the U.S. Uh, in 2013, uh, not directly through Apple factories, but it sounds like through a Foxconn facility. Um, and I wrote a post and Forbes did a post, um, arguing that, uh, <laughs> mine came out first and mine was better. Shut up. Um, uh, uh, arguing that the Mac pro is the most likely product given the scale they're talking about. Um, and given, you know, the fact that almost every other product has been recently updated and is already being manufactured in China. So it doesn't make a ton of sense to, um, set up production lines for existing products in the U S when they're already in production. Right. I mean, unless, I mean, it makes sense if you need to add production capability either way. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason not to make some iPhones there and some iPhones here. If it turns out next year, you need to make twice as many iPhones. Yeah. I mean, and the existing facility can't just scale up. Like if you'd have to move to another facility in order to make more. Sure. Well, I mean, they did make it clear that it was going to be Mac products. Yeah. No, but I'm saying, yeah. And, there and, would and be times when an existing product would make sense. But yeah. more so, I think it's just shipping has to be a fairly large portion of the cost of some of these products. Well, that was Especially one the, when you get to the Mac Pro. That was one of the things I dug into is that um, based on the cost of a 40-foot shipping container from uh, Shanghai to the West Coast, um, it's about $5 per Mac Pro to, to move it on a, you know, um, on a ship carrier on a, right, but they a don't, cargo they carrier. They ship those carrier even. I think they do once. So generally when they launch a product, they air freight some of them over and then they start building up a local, you know, multi-week inventory in the States. Right. But CTO is always air freighted. And I have to imagine a large portion of the Mac I'm not sure. CTO. Well, see, that's one thing I'm not sure about because I've actually heard, um, that on the CTO stuff on the, on the, machines like the Mac Pro, um, they'll basically stockpile variations on the base configs, so processor and whatnot in the US, mm-hmm. and then they'll actually they have an assembly line here that opens those machines up and does sure. the other CTO bits here. Huh. Um, you know, and and you can sort of see that if you look at what they offer CTO on now, because they offer almost no CTO stuff on most of their products now. Right. Um, you know, it used to be you could configure everything and now there, there's almost nothing. And obviously that's a sort of Tim Cook thing is that they can now quite realistically essentially produce fixed quantities of every possible CTO config. Um, sure. So unlike, you know, with the Mac Pro, that's much less of an option when you've got, you know, a dozen different RAM configurations and drive configurations and graphics cards and everything else. So, right. um, I don't know, you know, but that would be another advantage of local production. Um, 
So, right. but, but the, our other data point I was going to say is just that we, we know that Tim said that there is something coming for Mac pro fans in 2013. Um, whatever that is, if it's a computer, it's going to have Thunderbolt. I think that's a pretty safe assumption. So whether it is PCI or not, I don't know. The thing that is coming for Mac pro fans is disappointment for the computers. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I mean, guess. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, no matter what people are going to be disappointed. Well, of course. That's, that's what we do for a living. I mean, I think, you know, from like my personal perspective, one, I'm not going to be in the market for a Mac pro, but you know, as long as it is a machine that can host two Xeon class processors and, um, a bunch of Ram, you know, and has Thunderbolt ports, that's, that's really it, you know? People still need PCI. I still need PCI. I mean, I mostly need PCI because other people need PCI. Well, but you know, we, how much PCI do you need given the preponderance of Thunderbolt cases now? Yeah. I mean, I guess you can do that. I just, you know, I could see them moving to a model that really embraces, um, those types of enclosures, you know, something much more like, you know, a cube with a Thunderbolt port which would be awesome. Yeah, I suppose. As long as Apple sold the Thunderbolt box. Right. Yeah, someone did a mock-up a while back that was like, you know, you got your core with your processors and your RAM and then Thunderbolt enclosures that were designed to sort of fit like blocks, you know, with, with for drives and for um, PCI. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we were talking about... So, yeah, so another thing that happened since we last talked was I broke down and started building my own computers. <laughs> yes. So I decided I needed a new graphics card. Mike's gone off the rails a little bit. Huh? Mike's gone off the rails a little bit. What's um, that? You've gone off the rails. I have, yeah. I guess so. No, I needed a faster GPU to get some work done. And what was the work? I was rendering in Blender, which is not the most heavily optimized renderer on the face of the earth um and so i decided that buying so their render is entire i mean it'll run on opencl but it's obviously not their forte so if you you know everyone says buy a cuda card and so i had the standard apple we don't like nvidia this week ati model um and so I was like, oh, I should get a, you know, I can either wait for this thing to render and waste all my time on changes that I can't see because I can only preview in like one eighteenth resolution, or I can, you know, spend a couple hundred bucks and churn this thing out quickly. And so I spent a couple hundred bucks. I got a the NVIDIA GTX 570, which is like the third fastest card they have in the craft you know in the the gaming line and so that's actually fast by nvidia standards not just fast by mac graphic standards right yeah it's a it's a real card i mean it's got as many cuda compute units as the quadro like 4000 line like it's a real card um it's got mm, i think mine has either two or four gig of vram I mean, it's a big card. It pulls 270 watts. Um, yeah, it's like, 
it's a nice it's a really nice card um and it is much too much card for a mac pro (laughs) (laughs) so i got it and i was like this is gonna be great i'll plug it in and then um it was like one none of them were big issues but there was enough little issues especially like getting the card and wanting to just plug it in and go and being you know a snooty Mac person who doesn't like having to do work on their computer. Right. Um, so one, the card, you know, so NVIDIA recently, so the reason why this was like even considerable, um, was that recently NVIDIA said, you know, finally they pushed out a set of drivers, you know, a couple months ago and said, all of our cards work on Mac now. Unlike before you had to buy specific ones and the drivers came from Apple and it was, you know, it was like everything that neckbeards, you know, legitimate, have legitimate reason to hate Apple for. <laughs> right, right. Because even... So yeah. your card was 400 bucks instead of 79 bucks at Best Buy. And... And it was slow. It, it was slow because, you know, no one cared. And yeah, it was like in every possible way it sucked. You could buy, you know... There was a third-party black market where you could buy cards on eBay that had been bought from NVIDIA and flashed to have Apple, you know, firmware that would run on Apple. And it was like, it was such a mess. Um, and so NVIDIA came out with drivers and said, these things all work. The only thing we can't do is we don't support um, EFI the like Mac startup BIOS replacement thing. And so you won't see the startup screen, um, you know, just the Apple at the beginning, not the, the, you know, by the time you get to log in, the card's running and everything works. Um, so the first big problem was that I was using file vault. So I had to turn that off or it wasn't gonna, there was no way to log in. <laughs> and I thought I could just sort of like fumble through it, but I tried that a bunch of times. And I, I don't know if it just never went to the login screen because it didn't sense a card or what, but it did not work. Um, and then my next thought was like, oh, I'll just run both cards. I mean, I don't need the, you know, the ATI is a somewhat beefy card, and but, you know, I can just leave it in there. And I quickly realized there is not enough power, <laughs> not even not enough wattage. There's not enough power plugs inside of the mac pro case um because one you know they've been very nice about removing all of the cables and making those little like dock docking connectors for all the drives so there's no power you can pull there from any of the drives um there's you know the thing the cards are supposed to run off is the pca augs power which are these little six pin or eight pin plugs on the on the motherboard and the Mac pro comes with two, the ATI takes one and the Nvidia card took two. So that wasn't going to work. So I, and then all of this was compounded by the fact that Apple uses their own little mini six pin connector on the motherboard. So no one in town sold the adapter cables. Yeah. So got the thing, realized it didn't have power, ordered some. Luckily, a friend of mine who works for a large Mac house in town, like, you know, does television stuff, and they have a ton of Macs and in-house engineering for them. Um, He was nice enough to, you know, find one in a 
abandoned Mac Pro that I could pull out. And so I used that for a week to get up and running. And then I, you know, we have like fairly large computer stores here. We're, you know, we still have like the build your own crazy PC shops. Um, but none of them stocked this cable, but I was able to get enough parts there to build a Y connector so I could plug in. So I would have three, six pins off the two, six pins in my Mac. And so I managed to get both cards running long enough to get the drivers for the new card installed. Um, and then, yeah. And then I was able to, you know, I turned off file vault and pulled the, the ATI card and everything's running great. I mean, Render times went from, you know, for just a sample file I was working with from 18 minutes to three. That's not a bad speed up. Yeah. So that's, you know, I mean, and you know, I'm not, I'm not naive enough to think that the card's that much faster, but it was, you know, it was $200 worth of cards in a couple days of dicking around versus learning enough about the Blender code base to go in and work on their open CL kernels. Like, you know, this was like the no brainer. So break down for me, if you can, um, how does the card you bought differ in compute performance from, uh, one of their Fermi Tesla cards? What do they call it? Um, they've got the, yeah, the tank, I think Tesla is the processor technology and Fermi is the card line. I'm not sure. And then there's Quadro too. I don't really keep track of them. But those, the Fermi and the Quadro, I are like their high end. Um, they're the cards that actually sell to like medical and right. And those, and I, and those actually they sell in external enclosures, right? I don't know about that. I think they do. Hmm. Um, and and so those are in just more compute cores, or do they have actual different technology? I think in large part, they're just different lines. So those are the cards that NVIDIA will actually sell to you direct. Whereas the, like the card I bought was through, you know, they're like branded by different people. So they sell the technology to OEMs, I guess, and the OEMs package them. So mine's like an XVGA, EVGA card, but you can get the same card from like PLI and there's, I don't know. There's a bunch of different manufacturers. So I think it's just like, I don't think there's a ton of difference really. Hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, from what I saw, you know, digging around on the internet a little bit for CUDA performance, there doesn't seem to be a huge difference between the lines. Um, it's just sort of the market they're targeting. Interesting. Yeah, maybe. you know, because people who are like building resolve suites, they, you know, everyone I talk to who does, you know, like building out a really nice resolve suite is using the card that I got. Huh. Um, and you know, some of them are are you know willing to throw real money at a problem if it's a better solution. Sure. So I don't know. I mean, I've been really happy with it. Although I have to say this. This was like the first time in my life where I was, where I understood why you would build a PC. (laughs) (laughs) It was a humbling moment. Um, Yeah, it'd be fun. You know, maybe next week we'll find some time to um, try rendering out this composition on on an EC2 compute node because I'm really curious. 
I'm really curious too. So yeah, maybe we can hack that out and talk a little bit about um, some of that stuff because I've been doing some parallel research on EC2 for um, a consulting project as well. So hmm. um, yeah, some interesting yeah, I would stuff be very curious. So one thing I don't know is if Blender has a command line renderer. That right. would obviously help a lot. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I assume it does, but I'll, um, you know, I'm pretty sure. It worst does case, too. we can run it through X Windows or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really, I'm really curious about that. Yeah. Um, so other stuff going on, um, the, the two, the two 3d printing articles I linked that I'll link in the show notes, I think are, um, maybe more just jumping off points. I thought it'd be nice to, in the 3d printing is a topic we're both interested in and we both come back to routinely. Uh, I thought it'd be interesting to just do a sort of breakdown of where we think it's going over the next year. Um, and so one of the articles we'll link is that staples in Europe is launching 3d printing in their stores, um, using, I forget the name of the manufacturer, but, um, a paper-based 3d printing where they do layers of paper, laser cut and, um, colored. So really targeted at people like architects and other people who want to, you know, quickly spit out a mock-up of something for a client. Right. Um, and I think that's exciting just to have that really accessible for, um, people who may not want to invest the capital uh, or the expert, you know, invest in the expertise in 3d printing right now. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, that was such a missed opportunity for Kinko's. Yeah. I can't believe they didn't. Well, it's also interesting. Sure still can. Yeah, it's interesting to me that this is happening in Europe. I think um, they're starting out in the Netherlands and one other country. Um, it's interesting as well that a, a number of other things, like you know, HP sells 3D printers. Their 3D printer line, the Object, I think, is <laughs> Europe only as well. And I kind of wonder what it is about the European market that is either embracing 3D printing or at least taking advantage of it in different ways. No, no, no. Um, it'd be interesting to learn a bit more about, you know, what, what is driving that? Is it that, you know, larger U S companies are just investing in house and are willing to dedicate the space and everything else, um, you know, yeah. to, to higher end stuff or, I don't know. Um, but that has, it, it does seem like the market for 3d printing in the U S is very different from the market in Europe. Um, so the other article is an economist article about, um, uh, some projects for 3d printing, uh, circuitry and also for printing, um, a flexible, uh, in this case, it's a flexible exoskeleton that you would put on your hand and that then uses printed, um, circuits essentially to detect flexing and resistance and then respond based on that. Mm. Um, but it's, um, just another example of a new thing they're able to print is, is 3d circuit uh, print circuits, um, with piezo resistivity. Um, it's interesting. So, so, I mean, where do you, I mean, do you think that the landscape is going to change in any radical ways over the next year? Or is it going to continue to be iterative? Do you think any of the startups are going to make a difference? Do you, you know, is this going to be the year that we start seeing mall kiosks with 3d printers or is that still a few years out? I just, I'm still not, I still don't like it's not gonna become a breakout thing until we have our our killer app. And I just I still don't know what the killer app is. You know, like I think it's neat. I've got one on my desk. Um but I don't know what to do with it. Like, you know, most people don't have a thousand bucks to throw at one of these dumb things. And then when you factor in like 
I've already, I already have all the sunk costs and I have no idea why I have it. Right. Like what is, I mean, what do people, it's like if you, if you want crap to put in your cube and you don't go to enough trade shows to get crap to put in your cube and there's no comic book store in your town where you can buy crap for your cube, like that seems to be their, their, their wheelhouse printing cheap junk. And I mean, like designers, yeah, I get it. Like, if you're a designer and you want to, I mean, yeah, prototyping, great. But you know, most people don't make their own dinners anymore, right? How, what are they going to build in one of these things? Yeah, no, I think I think that the the home market for these will, I don't want to say never exist, but I think until these are sufficiently like a replicator um, from Star Trek, I don't think there will be a market. Because the reality is we just don't, in our houses, we don't need stuff often enough to justify it. And, you know. Right. I mean, the only the only place I can see it getting widespread adoption in the house, and this is really contingent on the price point dropping, is kids. Like, sure. Kids are the only people who have, who consistently like making things that are crap. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can I can see that as if if you know Hasbro could make one for fifty dollars. Yeah, if it could be like the play doh like extruder, right? Except you didn't need to have a computer attached to it, and you didn't need to know how to run Rhino, right? And and yeah, hopefully used a material that was recyclable, and yeah, so you could just like stick it in the hopper in the top, and it would like blend it and print out something new. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um. Other other than that, I I guess I would I do think it's only a matter of time before some consumer goods product figures out a way to push it into the retail channel, and whether that is um um sorry whether that is a shoe manufacturer, glasses manufacturer, watches I I don't know I mean something that they you can conceivably customize for individual people, either stylistically or based on people's physical shape. Um, I think that that will be what at least raises the profile of these, but um, I don't know who that will be when that will happen. Yeah. I mean, that's everything I can think of is going to be fashion based because that's where you have the churn in style and needs and people are willing to buy the same thing every year because it looks different now. Right. But the problem is so much of that is based on materials. I mean, materials change more than the under, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I guess more than just color, like people change, you know, materials going in on a style. And so you, you know, it'd be, it'd be easy to see someone getting really excited about this and having a single season of, you know, where the where these things come into vogue, but a year later, people, you know what I mean? Like it's it's I don't I think it's going to be more the novelty of it. It's not going to be like, hey, look, it's three D. It you know, like, hey, look, it's exactly what I want, and next year I can make something different. It's like all of those are going to get binned into sure three D printed. So like everyone's going to have one pair of three D printed glasses, but they don't need a second pair because. Right. I mean, I guess, you know, I can see, you know, a Warby Parker or someone, um, 
Yeah, but the materials have to get so much better. Yeah. That's I mean, unless it's the novelty. It's like, oh, look at my glasses. They're 3D printed. Like, and that, you know, that'll take off. Like, every designer is going to want a pair of PLA glasses soon. It'd be really cool if they could 3D print the lens and have it integrated. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that's so it's all going to be these like incremental. And this, you know, this is how this stuff's going to shake out, I suspect, is like the, 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 the dream that we've been sold is that these things are replicators. But the reality is that the material matters so much for so much of what we buy that we're going to need to end up inventing a new machine for each product that we want to 3D print. Right, right. At least for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and that's, you know, and and the people who invest that R&D, like it's not going to be something that gets pushed down the 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 um the distribution channel so that it's sitting in your home or sitting in the mall but the people who can you know become the next lens crafters where you don't have to get the lenses made like they're you know to the end user it's going to look the same it's gonna be like oh i go get my glasses but now they're ready in four minutes instead of an hour mm-hmm. so th- i mean i think there's lots of chances for people to come up with highly specialized 3D printers that change the sort of economics of a single market. Sure. But not, I mean, but then they're not really 3D printers. They're just like some new rapid manufacturer technique. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting if, um, I'm trying to think if there would be other other markets where, you know, if the materials got good enough, you could conceivably I guess what I'm thinking is, you know, could it, how far out are we from the uh, a car manufacturer being able to do away with um, having spare parts within a distribution channel and just sort of when they release a new car model, they release a new data set of every part, you know. I think we're a yeah. long ways off from that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, stuff like that that eliminates entire supply chains, um, you, you know makes a lot of sense especially when you start thinking about third world and whatnot yeah i mean yeah but it's going to be so much you know it it might happen sooner this might be one of those things like cell phones where the adoption happens quicker third world than first world because you know there's less of an entrenched expectation right right yeah, I mean, it, I I do. F- it does feel like it's a product. Uh, it's a market where, sorry, the dog is upset. Um, someone is going to surprise us. I, I genuinely believe that. I, um, yeah, but they're not going to surprise us by making a cool new three D printer that everyone needs. Right. They're going to surprise us by figuring out a way to use three D printers to do something neat. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I mean, it does feel like there's there's so much momentum behind this technology now, um, you know, and it's only accelerating it going into 2013. So I'm excited to see what happens. But, um, yeah, I think that whatever whatever really rockets this technology forward, we probably won't see coming. So, yeah. And we probably won't ever even see the technology. Sure. That's what I think. Sure. It's going to happen in some different factors somewhere. Like, it's not going to change the user-facing experience at all. Right. 
I don't know. I mean, 3D printed glass frames, I think, is going to be neat. There's a company in town here working on it. Yeah, I mean, I think that would... I, I'd be really excited about the idea of frames that were really custom fit to my face. Um, I'm less interested... I mean, you know, th- from the fashion perspective, it's not interesting to me because I don't have a fashion sense. I wouldn't want to be responsible for designing my own frames or my own shoes or whatever, like, because I don't... I would make things that are worse than what I could buy. Uh, what I'm interested in is frames that exactly fit my face, shoes that exactly fit my feet, you know? Um, right. You know, that's more interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and but at that point, I mean, I don't know. It seems like a lot of these new markets for this sort of thing are going to end up requiring someone that you go and meet with who does the design thing for you. Right. Yeah. You know, it's going to be like where you go to Home Depot and have somebody pick out your cabinets for you and lay them out in their little 3D program. Yeah. I mean, you'll still go to lens crafters. They just won't have a big inventory of frames on the wall, except they probably will for styles. And then they'll like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but again, I, I, I feel like this is one of those conversations we're having where we'll look back and say, oh my God, how could we not have seen that the way this was going to happen was X, you know, someone is going to, you know, I don't know. It feels like we're stuck within the existing paradigms. So, I don't know. Mm. We need a paradigm shift. Some synergies. Mm. Really net-net off the island. Mm, I'm just going to play dead a little bit here. (laughs) Should we uh, jump to chatter? I'm out of topics. Yeah, let's do it. What do you got? I got a shameless plug. I've uh, I've recently relaunched my personal blog at discretecosign.com. Um, this was a site I maintained for a few years um, as a video technology industry news blog. Um, and I'm now relaunching it more just as a place for longer form writing about um, topics that are interesting to me. So industry, computing, energy, um, Not so much about fast Fourier techniques. No, I mean, that's interesting to me. That, it's it's not going to be uh, pictures of my meals and um, commentaries on my emotional state is what I'm saying. Mm. So it is a, a blog, um, more of the, you know, daring fireball uh, mentality than of the live journal mentality. Anyways, um, so I'm starting to write there more. Uh, check it out if you're interested in that kind of thing. I'm going to try and keep it up um, as much as I'm able. Um, and mine was a an article, just a quick little thing that showed up in my Twitter um, from New Scientist, which is about a group of researchers which have been playing with um, chromophores, which are the proteins I, I don't know if they're protein i think they are yeah they're proteins that absorb specific wavelengths of light so that's how we detect color these proteins are part of the the structure of the eye mm-hmm. um and so we've got three we're trichromatic so we've got three specific chromophores which are which are visual systems built around. 
Um, but they are talking with this study basically went through and altered. They took our human, like the one we use for red and they made some changes to it and they were able to change the, uh, the wavelength that it's receptive to. And they were actually able to push it out most of the way to infrared. And so the idea is that it would be somehow possible to rejigger this, like go in and muck with our, our rods so that we could get this, I guess our cones. Cool. Uh, Yeah. And so this, I, yeah, the reason why this caught my, my interest was one, because it's crazy and interesting, but also I went to this horrible, um, talk the other week about color, um, like the biological basis of color perception and stuff. It was, it was really fruity. Um, it was much too much, um, San Francisco naturalist hippie jargon. Uh, um, but anyways, one of the things that he mentioned, which I don't know if it's actually true, <laughs> was that keratin uh, is one of our chromophores. Like from beta keratin. Right. And that we don't produce it naturally. Right. Isn't that why they say carrots improve your vision? Right. And so what I'm wondering is if you were to make these changes. So I think the red one we do produce, maybe not. I don't know. Um, Because the keratin is the one we use for yellow. Wait, no, we don't have a yellow receptor. So maybe it's the red one. So what my question was is if you were to genetically engineer carrots, so they produce this other version of the thing, would your body take it up? Hmm. And would you be able to change your actual visual perception? I don't know. That'd be cool. I'd be all for that. So this is, this is what, this is, you know, I got a couple of days off over the holidays. This is what I'm going to try to figure out. <laughs> is how to genetically engineer carrots that make you see infrared. It'd be more fun to see UV, wouldn't it? Well, come on. <laughs> genetically engineer blueberries? I don't know where we get <laughs> the know. blue from. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, that'd be... Uh, I've only planned this for five minutes, Colin. That would start to get exciting. Yeah. And... Um, I don't... Yeah, so I don't know if that's... Huh. If it's possible, I think someone should do it. Yeah. Especially if it's reversible. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> Although if you've read the, the New Yorker article this week on the Army's testing of chemical weapons in the 50s and 60s, um, you know. No, they're not always reversible. No, not so much. But luckily people volunteer for. Yeah, but I want to try this on myself. Well, yeah, you just, you know, you try it on Rebecca first. Oh. Hi, Rebecca. You mean. All right. Well, um, we probably won't do a show in the next couple of weeks, I would guess, given our uh, timeliness in general and the holidays. We'll see. In specific, yeah. Uh, but we have, we'll definitely do a show when our new thing ships, and that'll yes. be before too long. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, we'll start teasing that a little bit as well. So keep in touch if you don't follow us on Twitter. Now is a good time to start. 
Yep. And we'll talk to you soon. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.